The following is a presentation of the Black Hollywood Live Network, the first online broadcast network dedicated to African-American entertainment. Hollywood redefined. From Los Angeles, California, streaming live thanks to Akamai Technologies, this is Black Hollywood Live, breaking into... Featuring in-depth interviews with today's most influential entertainment figures, highlighting their tips, tricks, and techniques on breaking into the entertainment industry. You're listening to Black Hollywood Live. And now, the host of Black Hollywood Live, breaking into. Hello, and welcome to another edition of Breaking Into here on Black Hollywood Live. I'm your host, James Law Jr. I'm a certified life coach. And one of the main things about this show that I really, really believe in is sharing knowledge, lifting each other up, and paying it forward. And with this show, we're going to do that. And my guest today, I am so happy to have him here with me. He is a producer, executive producer, writer, author, documentarian, great guy, S. Lee Savage. Thanks, James. Nice to see you. Same thanks here. For, thanks Welcome. for having me. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks, yeah. thanks for coming. Now, I'm, you know, your latest success right now, of course, is the Straight Outta Compton movie, which is based on your story. Right. Yes. Uh, well, just I was, you know, the four writers, the yes. four writers on the on the movie, and I was the the guy that birthed the project. So I'm the original yes. guy, and yes, then I brought are. in a guy named Alan Winkus who did research and co-wrote, you know, the first like 21 drafts of it. And then it, <laughs> we secured the rights from uh, Tamika Wright, the, yeah. her music rights. She put yes, her rights with the right. script and then it, it went into, uh, went into New Line. Yes. And then we had to say goodbye. Oh, we're going to talk about that because actually, because yeah. we're going to talk about documentary and doc- documentary filmmaking because sure. folks out there, let me read a few, just a few of his credits. When I was doing research on it, I was like, okay. Straight out of Death Row. Straight out of Puerto Rico, Reggaeton's Grow to Glory, which I want to see that, actually. I haven't seen that one. Eminem, a.k.a. The Legend of Dolomite. I actually saw um, The Heart of the Account Restoration Vision. Oh, good, version. good. So yeah, I, yeah. That yeah. one. And, of course, a couple of Mahalo Jackson right. documentaries. I mean, the Power and the Glory. It just, I mean. We also did the first and only doc on Martin Luther King that was authorized by the King Foundation. That was that was where we started in '92. Wow. So you know, that's done a fair amount of docs. Yes, you, yes, yeah. you have, yeah. and we're going to talk about that. One of the things I want to get right, just get right into, is what do you feel is one thing that most, if not every documentary, one element that should be in a documentary? Well, I mean, you need a compelling subject. Okay. I mean, it's, it's so in, uh, at least if you're. And again, it depends on what your objective is. Are you looking to do something that's going to be in sync with the commercial market? Is that your, you know, sort of be all and end all? Or is it just a subject you're passionate about and uh, um, that you want to, you know, you want to pursue? You know, I I come from the home (laughs) entertainment business. So, you know, we, um, there wasn't a, you know, I never had a, uh, I never had a billionaire backer just yes. sort of wanting to finance my dreams, you know. So, you know, there had to be yes. this, there's this quid pro quo and that, okay, yeah. we're going to invest a certain amount of money. We're yeah. going to follow and tackle this subject. And then what's our, our game plan for getting that capital back? So yeah. um, many 
documentary filmmakers aren't concerned with that. Okay. You know, they're they're concerned with just getting the, the subject and and really there are two types of documentaries. There's Tell the me, yes. there's the immer- what I call the immersion doc. Okay. And that's where the a filmmaker I mean you see uh Nick Broomfield and, okay, and people like you. that, yeah. you know, immerse themselves into a particular yeah. environment yeah. and you know whether it's uh, Alien Wernoris or uh, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, the the his Biggie Tupac or yeah. you know any number of things uh, Heidi Fleiss. Oh. Yes, I saw that one. Yeah, where he goes in, takes his camera, and just sort of lives and immerses in this milieu in and around capturing these people in real time. And then there's the more of the – what I do is more of the Ken Burns type of – not to say that that. I'm Ken Burns. No, but but I can see that. No, I can see that. You know, it's – you do do interviews. You're getting B-roll from, uh, you know, capturing environments and uh, – you know, just getting people to talk and sort of re recapturing yeah. or capturing a story, which is uh, you know um, a, a different yeah. process. Yeah, but sure. it's or and then a combination of using you know getting third party footage that is live and sure, and, yeah. and uh, combining that. But it's we're both the the basic function is the same: tell a great story, yeah. use what you can to you know to tell a great story. And so for you. Uh, how do you find your stories? I mean, like, was it like for for example, um, you've done a lot of you know hip hop stories. Did you like hip hop before, or were the stories just so compelling you you went to them? Well, I'd, I'd, my my sort of way into hip hop was um, it was sort of uh, business survival, oh, you funny. know. <laughs> yeah, because it's um, I I started a company in in eighty six and seen we, pictures, right? seen on pictures, pictures and yes. we. Um, we're really the first company that decided you know identified this you know the black content niche mm-hmm. and said we are you know nobody's really acquiring third party mm-hmm. titles let's right. let's let's start acquiring these titles and doing business yeah. with filmmakers and then um uh establish a label and then we built a distribution mm-hmm. company around that activity I've heard, I've heard that name yes and and but i mean you couldn't help but see how the hip hop music movement you know mm-hmm. beginning with I mean, Public Enemy and, yes. you know, Run DMC yeah. and NWA and what Ruthless Records was doing oh, into yeah. Death Row Records, yeah. how that was directly affecting opportunities for black filmmakers, black mm-hmm. entertainment, mm-hmm. et cetera. So, I mean, you couldn't – if you were in the the ethnic space, mm-hmm. and I later, you know, uh, added – the the Latin Hispanic area, Love it. Yes, you know, yes. to yeah. you know to what we were doing. I mean, it was for the first ten years, it was literally, uh, you know, every title we acquired was a black <laughs> audience title, with wow. one exception, which was a, 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 a live this? show with Jay Leno. You oh, know, funny. which is yeah. <laughs> like okay, well, we'll throw them in there too. Sure, but why not? you know, this is the the water cooler story mm-hmm. in. Uh, um, in 1995, was Suge Knight and Death Row oh, Records. So, uh, yes. I mean, if you're, so the 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 reason for going after some, that particular story is a, it was it, um, everybody was, you know, a lot of people were curious. Certainly, people in the music industry, mm-hmm. but it also, you know, this sort of cult of personality that Suge yeah. Knight built was just. Uh, and then you have all these artists, you know, the Snoop and Tupac and Dr. Dre mm-hmm. and all these people emanating out of this. So. Mm-hmm. 
the reason to go for it was that just you know a it, you know it, it almost was it scared the hell out of people. I'm, I'm, a, I'm sure. <laughs> but B, if you could figure out how to get to it, yeah. you know, and get people to talk to you about it, you knew yeah. you were in a uh, in a commercial area, in an area that because you, I mean I've I've. I don't want to do this for my health. I, I honestly <laughs> want to do this to yeah. try to appeal to an audience, to get yeah. an audience to watch what you're doing. Right. And so if you, you know, that's the, that's the reason, that's the reason to go forward. But the hip hop movement, you, you could not be in the space I was in and, okay. and, and sort of, you know, ignore do, it, ignore it. And <laughs> do it. Like, but yeah. moreover, you had to embrace it and you yeah. had to understand to the extent that you could, yeah. you know, what was going on. Well, I'll tell you personally for myself, it's it was my age group. So, um, and I saw your documentary for a death row doc, death row documentary, and I loved it actually. Thank you. Um, and it's it's funny because it speaks because I came I came from the eighties going into the nineties. Right. I, I'm from Inglewood, and I'm from Compton. I'm from I'm from those areas. Sure. Um, sure. And so, and I knew peripherally some of the people in the circles. Um, and, There's a lot of yeah. people. There's a, a lot, lot of people. I mean, you hear the you you, you know, they're the iconic names like mm-hmm. you know Dre and Q, but there's, but there's just a tons of people, yes. and they have a lot of information. A lot of in capturing a story like this, you have to talk to a lot of people yes. because you know even you know even the iconic people they know what they know, mm-hmm. but they didn't see everything. No. and they're you know often you're talking to one person that saw one thing, and right. that's their kind of <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's really their calling card, right. you know. Right. That's their. I mean, they're. Because I, I went to the concert. I went to the concerts when they were doing world class wrecking crew. Sure, and they had the Jerry curls. I mean, right. I went to those concerts right. that were like ten dollars to get and in. It was a and, skinny Doctor Dre. Yes, exactly. A skinny Doctor. I remember Dre seeing and, them in yeah. Nucleus and you know all these people from back in the day, and I'm like, sure. and so for me to see someone actually documentize it was a great thing for me. It spoke to me and my generation personally, and so seeing Straight Outta Compton the movie. It was mostly my folks who were, we were around the same age who went together as a group, right. like a boys' night out. Sure, and we all got together, sure. yeah. And I was like, "Wow, this is this is great," because a lot of filmmakers wouldn't touch it, I guess, because of the subject matter, maybe. Well, or I think it's just part of it is anytime you're dealing with the music industry and music in particular and music licensing. Oh, well, and then you've got yeah, a story. Like... Okay. So, <laughs> you know, there's this long standing antipathy between the music companies and the That's... content companies and, yeah. you know, resolving, you know, issues there. And a lot of stuff does not get made over issues true, of right? music yeah. and music licensing. Um, but, um, you know, also it was just, it was a, uh, you know, with with regard to this story, there were there were a lot of um, ill will and fractured relations mm, among the sure. key people that would have been necessary to sort of tell it. So, yeah. in a strange way, it was an opportunity for mm. someone like myself that could go around and um, try to knit everything together. What were some you of know, your the, techniques um, in? I want to stop at that point. That's a really good point. The techniques you use to gain respect, confidentiality. What were some of the things that you did that actually kind of helped you? Kind of. Well, when we did the the my calling card going into <laughs> okay. writing the initial drafts of of Straight Outta Compton was having done the Welcome to Death Row documentary because okay. people oh, okay. looked at that and and they said, well. Um, 
I mean, he went into business with Michael Harris, <laughs> yeah, 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 uh, yeah, yeah. a uh, <laughs> you know guy who's you know a yes. former. Uh, uh, former drug kingpin yes, and yes. entertainment impresario right. and a lot of things and uh, you know a uh, a guy that apparently scares a lot of people. I've mm-hmm. I don't I've the, heard the relationship yes. I have with him is 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 different than that. Good. I mean, we it's uh, in fact it's we've reconnected here of late. Oh, fun. Okay, as we're working on this, uh, you know, the the death, the death row, row thing, the I death know. row feature movie, um, but. Uh, I think it was also the style, you know, a lot of the, uh, a lot of the things that I had heard, you know, acquiring, uh, movies from black Mm -hmm. filmmakers was, you know, our stories are not being told, we're being misrepresented. I heard this over and over and I, we made a decision early on, we said, this story is going to be told in the words of the people that have the courage to speak. And they're going to be the people that were there. They're going to be the right. the Lonzo Williamses and the you know mm-hmm. Matt McDaniel's, who's yeah. the the technical advisor yeah. on on Straight Outta Compton, and and Rudy Pardee and any number of other people mm-hmm. that you know that were there. So I think the what helped me, I guess, in in pursuing the Straight Outta Compton story is that mm-hmm. we'd done a piece that people viewed as authentic. Okay, it, well, it, well, I'm and it was a starting point. So if you yeah. said, and in fact. Um, you know, Jerry Heller, I tried very hard to okay. get his interview. Oh, okay. Very hard to get his interview okay. for Welcome to Death Row. And he he shut me down wow. and angrily shut me down. Wow. But he saw the film okay. afterwards and decided that he liked it and, and okay. saw that it was connecting with a lot of the people okay. that he was yeah. talking to. Okay. So that seeded those conversations. But, in you know, that was a... A tough he one. Was, he was, uh, you know... An important interview. Oh, he would totally, I'm yeah. sure. Oh, yeah. To help break down how the label went and, you know, yeah. how things worked. And, but I'm sure he was nervous yeah. about how he was going to be No, no, no. I, I mean, you know, it's, it's, um, he was one of a number of people we, we needed to speak with. And, you know, fortunately we got to, you know, you know, people like, you know, Madeline Smith, who, you know, is not featured in the film, well, actually was featured in a, um, one of the, the final shooting draft of Straight uh-huh. Outta Compton, but she she ran the NWA fan club that and was me. okay and yeah, was okay. married to Donovan Smith, who owned Audio Achievement Studio, uh, where okay. all the so you know she was really tethered to Plus yeah. for years. Has handled uh, Tamika Wright's okay. music publishing. Okay. So okay. people like Madeline, you know, were just absolutely critical. Yeah, because she knows. I mean, when we were you know, trying to get in information about Tamika yeah. Wright, you know, to put in our our draft. I right. mean, we there were very few people that wow. could speak to you know, and, and 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 so Madeline helped us there, and eventually we did. You know, Tamika saw our drafts, and I did a lengthy. Oh, yeah. I did about an eight hour interview one on one with her. Wow. You know, just top to bottom, and wow. I think he, she was sort of at a point. You know, this is. Uh, this is 2006, okay. 2007, so Easy had died in 1995. Oh, yeah. Yeah. She was yeah. 11 years out of this, yeah. and this was a very, very traumatic thing. You know, yeah, obviously, sure. they, yeah. they, they marry very close to his, his death, and yeah. then she's this – she had worked at – uh, for Clarence Avant at um, oh, yeah. at Motown, so she yeah, knew yeah. the – I think part of the thinking that Easy had is that, you know, of the – 
you know, women in his life, yeah. and there were a few. Oh, yeah. um, uh, <laughs> you know, he felt Tamika was the most capable in yeah. terms of, but it also, you know, showed you um, uh, that uh, anyway, there was a absence of, you know, male figures that she yeah. would would want to bequeath her yeah. her record label to. So she finds herself suddenly, you know, that's the the relationship with Heller's over. Yeah. Uh and uh she inherits this company and, right. and you know like what do you do? What do you do? And then of course all these people coming out of the woodwork saying oh, I'm, I'm sure. owed this and that oh, I'm and sure. you know all this. So it's yeah. uh um She's a fascinating figure. She, yeah. And I, again, luck, it must be stressed that this thing, it's a miracle that this movie happened. A miracle. Which is a great point. And I just point say to, it yeah. over and over because people think, oh, it's, you know, it right. it yeah. was sort of, you know, divine intervention any number of different times yeah. to, to make this thing finally move over, you know, to where. So from book to movie coming out, how many years is the meaning total? Do you know? Well, started in. 2001. Okay. You know, I was basically out of it by 2008. Okay. And that's when Andrea Burloff and, and yeah, Jonathan Herman, Herman take, mm-hmm. take over. And, and that's when, you know, Dre and Cube get are, are pulled in, yeah. and, you know, front and center because the studio wants yeah. them really front and center on the, you know, on the marketing yeah. and but putting that's a good their thought, sort of, though. It takes a while for things like this to come together. Even for something. And it always felt like this is so obvious. This story, yeah. you know, and its appeal is so obvious. I mean, you have these millennials, you know, people turning forty. This was this was sort of the, you know, the defining, mm-hmm. you know, uh, uh, rough, tough music of their of their era. You know, yes. where where, you know, for other people, it might have been the Stones <laughs> or Pink Floyd right. or something. This right. was the sort. Of, this was very defining music. Well, you know, it's it's and, very much like Nirvana and that whole grunge sure, movement. Sure. This happened around the same. This is the same time period. That, yeah. was, that was one. Yeah. This was another. Both important. I mean, kind of the black version of grunge. Exactly. You know? I mean, I agree with you is. on that. Totally agree with that. I mean, the the uh, you know rebelliousness has always been part of rebellious music. Has always been something that has captured the you know the imagination mm-hmm. of of teenagers. And uh, you know, it's it's dating back to Elvis Presley. Yeah, and if right. you look at the, you know, look at punk and look know. at, uh, you know, all of this, you know, the, these yeah. sort of iterations of music that build mm-hmm. up. So, if, you know, the fact that this, you know, these guys are going to start rapping about stuff happening <laughs> yes. in South Central Los Angeles. Yeah. I mean, it... And it was such an East Coast thing makes first. Sense. It was. Yeah. Yeah. It was yeah. like, now we got the West yeah. Coast doing it and yeah. it was, they were doing it differently. Well, Run DMC, you know, uh, uh, you know, took that that Aerosmith song and yep. that sort of thing. changed everything, and, didn't he? And, uh, but it was the... So this is really where this sort of East Coast, West Coast okay. rivalry starts because it's the it's the West Coast that really blows it up into, you know, super stupid <laughs> yes. money. And, and <laughs> I agree. That's, I totally agree. That's what, you know, it's, you know, NWA into death row. And then you pick up the thread and... 95 when Sean Combs is working for Andre oh, Harrell, yes. right. you know, and you, he's watching Suge Knight step to artists and say, hey, I'm managing Jodis, mm-hmm. you know, I'm managing uh, Mary J. Blige right. now. Yeah. And so this is where that you want to see where that, that initial seeding of that East Coast, West Coast conflict starts. Yeah. That's where it, you know. You're taking me back right now. That's I where I'm, it, I'm going you know, back that, in time. I that's love where it. it starts. And then yeah. it just sort of, you know, then there's the... You know, the stuff that happens yeah. with Tupac and there's Haitian Jack and, the, oh, you know, yes. you know, Quad Studios and the sort of the, you know, the 
the sort of sense that, you know, Tupac having a sense that he's been set up. And then there are the other issues, you know, of getting the West Coast records played in New York. Yes, you know? exactly. I mean, the yes. clubs and the, you know, which is the where Things records are broken, are broken in, mm-hmm. you know, in the Big Apple. So mm-hmm. if you've got, you know... You can't get your records played. There are issues or politics, or you're being ransomed to get your records played. Then it's you know this it, business was yeah. at the heart of that yeah. that whole conflict. Mm-hmm. And I well, for me, I always felt like it's that also felt very soap opera. I mean, it's like you could you could these are easily you could take it. Well, I guess Empire is is showing that now. You could take it and put it in other put other genres in its place, and it's still the same kind of thing. There's these. These kind of paternal figures, they're the ones that are the underlings, sure. they're the outsiders. I mean, so, so, many, so many elements that I felt like these, the Death Row story especially, and they're, they're all there. It's, it's soap opera. Yeah. It's real life, obviously, yeah. and people yeah. got hurt and stuff for real. But I always felt like that would draw me to the stories too because it's, it's, they're compelling. I was asked uh, on one, uh, by one interviewer that, you know, the difference between Lucius Lyon and... Uh, and Suge Knight, <laughs> and you know it's it's that uh, you know their trajectories to look at them. Yeah. You know they're just totally different. Interest both interesting, yeah. but both totally different. I mean, uh, uh, Lucius Lyon was a, I mean a small time yeah. drug dealer, but a music man, a guy yeah. that played instruments and you know was in the studio, recorded music, knew you know he's he's a music right. man, you know right. who's you know. Paying some bills, doing right. you know, doing drug dealing. You right. know, Suge Knight is a learns the business being a bodyguard. That's right. You know, yeah. just being around, you know, taking in all that stuff, seeing what's happened with the yeah. conflicts that Bobby Brown might be having oh, with his yes. label, oh, and yeah. later, you know, with the DOC and oh yeah, oh yeah, and yeah. Uh, Dr. Dre, and then you know, forms a you know, as a businessman, sees that publishing is the where the money is, forms mm-hmm. a little publishing company, Smart and then stuff, there's the yes. Whole vanilla ice thing, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, and yeah, that's how he—that's yeah. how he gets going. But yeah, he also has a yeah. mentor, yeah. and his mentor is Dick Griffey with Solar Griffey, Records. Of course, Solar Records, and love Solar yeah, Records. with Solar Records. So yeah. I mean, and he, he was doing bodyguarding for for Griffey, you know, yeah. who did a, who did a lot of shows. Yeah. You know, was one of the original African American concert promoters yeah. in uh, in Los Angeles. Oh yeah, I remember all that. Yeah, so they had totally different. Uh, yeah, totally different. I just, for me, I just always look at just that there's like lot, there's like a lot of the same kind of stories, and that's why I think this one really hit people because it do, it is universal. It's just, but it's also very specific. Yeah, it's both. But it's like, how do you? Okay, you're a um, you're an inner city kid, mm-hmm. and you're talented, and um, you want to make right. music, and so what's the process by which you bootstrap that? Well, you know, it's it's not like a regular, you know, who's Who's stepping in to, you know, to right. finance this process? Right. So when right. people go, oh my God, you know, <laughs> we've got the drug business moving into the the, the record business. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, that's been a recurrent theme in the music business for as far back as anybody I want to say, yeah. knows. But I mean, who who else is going to take? I mean, the you know, how speculative it is to to do music unproven, you know, oh, movie, uh, yeah. music on spec. I right. mean, that is a. Um, that's a roll of the dice. Mm-hmm. I mean, you couldn't anticipate that Ruthless Records was yep. going to go JJ Fad oh, to <laughs> you know Easy right. Does no, It no, to right, no, right. Straight Out of Compton to right. the DOC to those right. other albums right. you know later Bone Thugs and Harmony. Oh I yes, mean, yes. 
I mean, that just doesn't happen from no. a cold start, no. you know, where there's that level of success that fast. Right, right. And it repeated itself with, with Death Row Records. Yeah, it did. But there was, you know, as I say, and I, I think, you know, one of the most interesting things is it was an imprisoned former drug kingpin yeah. at a critical time in, yeah. uh, in the genesis of this label puts badly needed seed capital in. Yeah. You know, at a time when they're, I mean, Shug's out of money. He can't get anything. He's done some publishing deals with Griffey. Right. Can't get any, you know, there's wells dry there. Mm-hmm. But he's, he's legitimized. He's in, right. he's in Solar Studios. He's in this, you know, this uh, studio uh, record company that where mm-hmm. there are golden platinum albums on the walls. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, for, for starving artists coming in off the street, mm-hmm. that provides this sort of... Like wow, you know, okay, okay, yeah, the wow factor. Like, yeah. and the, plus they've got Dr. Dre who did all yeah. the, you know, up to through the DOC mm-hmm. into uh, you know niggas for life, mm-hmm. uh, um, all of the ruthless stuff. Yeah, so did. they've got a mm-hmm. they got an A list producer, yes, but they still need the capital. The capital to, to, on money, right? You know, they still need you know to get d- yeah. to get deep cover and the chronic out of the box. Yeah. They still yeah. need to. There's an infrastructure that's got to be paid for. These artists, you know, don't have jobs. That's, that's right. Because you know, they're working on the albums. They're working and, on everything. You know, Shook yeah. Knight's got cases and, you know, Dre's got yeah. a case or two. And yes, it's, you know, know. It's, uh, <laughs> now, as a documentarian, um, do you stay objective? How do you stay objective? Oh, How yeah. does that? I mean, I'm interested in what happened. Okay, so for you, you know, it's like, I'm going, I, I want the yeah, full picture but look, story. Look, it's it's sort of, these stories are like, you know, the, the Japanese movie Rashomon, the Kurosawa movie Rashomon. Oh, okay, yeah. I mean, five different people can can examine the exact same thing and be eyewitnesses and come away, and they have different... Uh, different stories. You know, just a different take on, mm-hmm. on what happened. They might have a measure of sympathy for... One of the people that, and maybe it was someone else looks at that person and says, you know, they, he overtly acted up and another person witnessing the same thing. Well, <laughs> yeah. So the best you can do is, you know, get people that were there to, mm-hmm. to say what they saw. And then to a degree, absolute truth, does that, do you get that? In some cases you do. Yeah. Some things are very black and white, but yeah. things are interpretive in terms of, yeah. you know, somebody's motives or uh, objectives or that sort of thing. That that ends up being interpretive, you know. Yeah. But I, I'm I'm not interested in – I mean, there there are people – Whose documentaries are slanted no, no, to – oh, Look, Michael Moore. Michael yeah, Moore, Moore sets right. out – he sets out, <laughs> I have a thesis – I have a thesis, right. and I am going to utilize everything that supports that thesis, and I'm not going to use That's anything true. else right. that doesn't support that thesis. And, you know, that works for him. Yeah. And he's made some great, great mm-hmm. documentaries mm-hmm. Yes. doing it. I agree. I'm, I'm more interested in, I mean, if somebody says they were poisoned, I want to talk to the doctor that said that, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, that's, that gave that diagnosis. Yeah. You know, I, I just, I do. So what do you and, see? What do you see your role as when you're because you're you're producing it, of course, and you're also <laughs> just ain't talking. You're producing it, but you're also directing, so to speak. You're directing also, right? Your documentary. You're, you're driving, in some cases. In some in cases, some cases, yeah. Right. In some cases, like straight out of straight out of death row, which mm-hmm. we're doing right now. Uh, Jeff Sheftel, who was the producer okay. on Welcome to Death Row, is going to be the director. Oh, okay. On that. Oh, good. Yeah, okay. I'm an 
you know, because I'm an eyewitness, I'm an interv- right. I'm interviewed throughout the piece. Oh, okay. But, uh, well, you know, so I'm, what is your what is your role on on this? Like you kind of see yourself. Well, I'm executive producer. I'm executive okay. producer, and then I'm mm-hmm. uh, um, on on that. But I don't have to be the, uh, you know, in some. I'm on on death row. I took over the direction because the oh. you know the the previous guy. I mean, it just. He was scared out of his mind. I mean, I'd moved him into my house and, you know, he was, it was crazy. It was insane. And, you know, at some point it became a a thing where we're not going to get to the finish line. Well, what kept kept you motivated and not not super scared and said, you know, never mind, thanks. You know, I think it's the, maybe it's turning 40 or something, (laughs) which I was. And you, you just go, you know. I think in a show like this, in a in a film like this, you're you're seized with probably momentary insanity. Okay. I mean, you want to get it done so bad. Oh, okay. I and see what you're yes. you know, you've got the Sisyphus thing with the rock strapped yes. to your back, and you're <laughs> you trying to hill. get up the hill, and yeah, and um, <clears throat> you're just you, you just sort of it becomes this thing where you're just saying, I'm not going to let this take me down. Right. And I, this isn't just my experience; this is experience of a lot of oh, filmmakers. Yeah, yeah, yeah of I mean, you hear about these docs that go. I mean, look. Uh, you know, when we were kings, oh, I mean, yeah, they yeah, started yeah. filming that <laughs> at the fight, and they finished right. it like what you know, twenty plus yeah. years later yeah. with interviews with Plimpton yeah. and Spike Lee yeah. and yeah. all that. I mean, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, that filmmaker sat for two decades with you know, yeah. Bupkis, wondering, right. you know, when am I going to get my ticket punched on right. this? Needing more money to go in and complete it. I mean, this. My situation wasn't unique. Right. It was just that right. I, we'd put a lot of money into this thing, and it was that was terrifying. It was terrifying that, you know, we needed to get it finished and yeah, completed yeah. and get the money back because it was just choking the life yeah. out of us to get it, yeah. you know, to get it done. And you were just like you were just you were determined. You were like, I'm just I'm in it now. It I'm going in to, it. It was going to happen. It. I mean, it's sort of like it's. it's yeah, yeah. I understand yeah. that. It was very yeah. cool. And, you know, but also the thing is that the story constantly inspired me. Ooh, it was like okay, this like constantly. It's this, how did this constellation of people sort of coalesce yeah. to make this, to make this yeah. story happen? I mean, this is, this is America, and people looked at it. Mm-hmm. I, <clears throat> there were people that would sit, come to me and say, well, you know, that's, a, that's, a, that's just a black story. That's a black. No, mm-hmm. no, no. All right. This has... Go beneath the surface. Go beneath the surface. This is America. It is. This is America. They, had, is they made the American dream. The American dream. And exactly. All that. And it involves, I mean, look at all the people in they this come story. come out of it. Yes. I mean, it's, you know, it's it's Ted Field and Jimmy Iovine and Chug Knight and Dr. Dre and Snoop Dogg and Michelet and you know, look, at, just... look at the array of right. people Yo-yo that are there. And, I mean, so, you know, it, yeah. it is an undertaking to go in and sort of try to capture a story like that. But... Um, you know, if you're in it to tell a great story, this is this is a great story. Oh, I I I, I mean, you know, besides the scared part, I'd be so fascinated. Each layer becomes available to you. I'd just be so fascinated, and w- I want to know more. Yeah, yeah. You know, that, that's just so, that's so great. What are some of the mistakes that you try to avoid when you're doing like documentaries, uh, like particularly this one? What were some of the things you were kind of like? I got to make sure I don't do this or kind of avoid doing that. Well, a lot of your, um, let me say this, sometimes the best laid plans, you're still going to, it still may go off the rails. Mm-hmm. There's still going to be things that you don't anticipate, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, 
I didn't, um, when we entered into this story, I didn't, you know, I'm, I'm basically learning about Shugnight for okay. the first time. Okay. I'm, okay. I'm learning by doing. So I, I don't realize all the headwinds and all the things okay. that are going to be. Okay. So part of it is if you, if part of the problem with a doc is sometimes you pick a subject and it's just, it's so vexing to get people to talk. Uh, we had, I mean, I would caution someone, you know, if you're going to be doing a story yes. <laughs> where the federal government is launched a, an investigation into, you know, its formulation activities to try to connect drug money to it, that it's not the most inopportune, yeah. it's not the most opportune time to try to interview people yeah. who are also being interviewed by the government. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, it's a little problem. So sometimes, yeah. you know, sometimes that a lot of, a lot of the, you know, people pick subjects that are, you know, that they're very, very difficult yeah. to, you know, to, to get at. Um, uh, a lot of times people want to um, – they see themselves as the writer, director, editor, producer, sound guy. And <laughs> um, they need to allocate responsibilities to Good people point. that are very – you know. When, and this this goes back to me being in distribution. When you see a movie that has you know all the credits are one person. Yeah. <laughs> because I mean, find someone that's very, very, very right. good at interviewing. Find someone that's mm-hmm. very, very good at at Camera sound. Or sound. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Find somebody that's shot a few docs. Yeah. Probably the most important thing is to find an editor oh, that sure. knows how to cut story. Oh, I'm sure. Because most most docs go off the rails uh, yes, where somebody's do. trying to. And I think you know, it's just my personal opinion, yes. but I think it's hard to be. The guy that's directing and pushing the buttons to edit at the same time. Okay. Okay. You know, I mean, uh, my process is to, you know, to, to you know, while I'm thinking how mm-hmm. how the story is going to unfold or what what we can do, you know, to it to achieve something, and then I'm I'm asking the you ask the editor to try to you know do that. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm I'm not capable of switching my brain off. To try to execute the, you know, the cut versus mm-hmm. I want to keep my head in what's going to what's going to make the story flow. And the biggest the biggest issue with most docs is story flow, as is as it is with movies and with screenplays yeah, and with feature yeah, films. Right. I mean, you know, in the first twenty minutes, whether right. you're engaged in a movie, very true. And a documentary is is the same thing. And often the unsung hero is the editor. We had a guy on Welcome to Death Row, Tyler Hubby, who's done mm-hmm. who is brilliant brilliant guy mm-hmm. he's done uh, I mean, the great invisible would be one of the okay. most recent docs he okay. did and uh, um he's just got it and i mean there there are um you know there's a sort of a a-list category there's a, a i mean if you look at a documentary yeah. that's a great documentary and then find out who that yeah, editor is. is that makes sense it totally makes sense to me i mean it's just sort sense. of in, yeah. you know it's it's intuitive mm-hmm because I've seen docs that, yeah, you're right. They start out great, and somehow they lose it in the center sometimes. But also, here's the other thing: when you're doing a when you're doing a doc, there's there's what you envision the story okay. to be. There's where you start and where you finish. And sometimes you have this notion of a story, and you get in it, and you immerse yourself in it, and another story comes thread out. Okay. comes out of it. Yeah. It's not what you thought, but you got to follow that. You got to follow where the the gold is in yeah. the story, and. To a degree, you're beholden to the people that will speak to you. Mm, you sense. are. Oh, yeah, you are. You are. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you can't look, I wasn't I wasn't going to get Dr. Dre to talk to me. I wasn't going to get Ice Cube to talk. I wasn't going to get Ice T to talk to me. I mm-hmm. not not in '95 or '96. Oh, back then, I'm sure. Right? No way. Yeah. No way. It was too. Why? What's their upside? Right. You know, seriously. Right. I mean, so you have to kind of, you know, you can sit there and be angry because certain people are saying no, but I mean. You got to see their point. You're really offering, you know, you're trying to tell a story. So you're, you're kind of beholden to who will, Mm -hmm. who will speak. And then, you know, then there are people that want some ridiculous amount of money for their, you know. (laughs) Their time. Yeah. (laughs) You know one story. Within the the basic economics of a documentary, you can't. uh, Yeah. You know, I mean, there are people that ask for the entire budget of a documentary just to speak to you for, you know, an hour. Oh, my God. That's not going to, that's not going to, you're not going to be able to do that. (laughs) I'll find somebody else things. (laughs) Well, I mean, you you talk, what drew you to documentaries, documentary style? Because you've done so many. Um, Whose style? Like, what drew you? You saw a documentary, you saw a person's style and went, that's it. Oh, I mean, God. You named a few. When we were kings, I mean, they're they're just. I mean, I'll tell you a doc I saw recently. Okay, tell me, please, please. That's my favorite genre. Just blow away good. It's called Print the Legend. Okay, Uh, it's about uh, um, 3D printing. Oh, I see that sometimes. Which you wouldn't necessarily think was a, but I mean, again, it's an immersion doc. It was on. uh, uh, Netflix picked it okay. up. It's Seth Gordon, who, okay. uh, I know who executive Seth produced, yeah. you know, who's doing, you know, arguably the best documentaries right now yeah. in the world. Um, I mean, I saw it at uh, South by Southwest, and okay. it was just the, okay. you know, the. But again, you, you, you know, these filmmakers, uh, the two filmmakers, go down this road, and you don't know where it's wow. where it's going to end up, and they're. You know, they're at, in Cambridge talking to these guys and they're talking to, you know, it's about, yeah. you know, MakerBot, which became the, which got sold to okay. Stratus, uh, oh, okay. which is the big player yeah, in yeah. the, you know, yeah. 3D. <laughs> but, it, you know, you you have all these sort of, you know, uh, stories, you know, running concurrent that, that sort yeah. of knit together at, mm. the, at the end. and. You don't always know where. I mean, I love it's just it. so brilliant when it actually <laughs> fuses together like you sort of envisioned it yeah. happening that way. And and you know, luck to a degree is you know operates in this. Mm-hmm. And you know, there are tons of you know j- capturing the Freedmans. Yeah, that was I mean, the Durst. You know, the the Durst stuff yes. on um, you know that uh, who was it? Um, I forgot his name. Who did Andrew? It, but... uh, uh, um, yeah, Jack uh, Carey. Yeah. yeah, that was a great documentary yeah. too. Um, yeah, Eugene or Andrew, one of the two. Yeah. But I mean, it's a uh, you know, they didn't, you know, they they were totally thrown for a loop there at the yeah. end when he you know ends up confessing in the bathroom. You can't, you can't even script that. You can't even plan that. It's like, it's like, it's just, I mean, it was like, uh. well, you know, for me, um, when I was young, I didn't really know. I mean, when I was coming up, there, there were only a few documentaries anyway when I was coming up, but the one that changed my mind and made me want to check out more and more documentaries was Paris is Burning, Gene Livingston. When yeah. I saw that, yeah. I was like, Wow, now it's kind of a, almost an immersion kind of sure, sure. story, like you were talking. I'm about. a few. I saw it. I'm a few years away from it, so I'd have to. I'd have to look at. Yeah, it but again. I mean, just one of those things. I just, I, it completely. It, to me, it still holds up. I mean, it captures yeah. the time. Um, sure, and sure. I, and I just and I was like, oh, that's what documentaries can do. Because 
when I was growing up, kind of documentaries seemed like these boring things that you know they're talking about an elephant somewhere and sure. you know and science then, class. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Grade and you're seeing a bug crawl up, uh, you know, the spotted, <laughs> the spotted, uh, you know, rare spotted owl. Right. It's just right. sits there. And you're you know, like, okay, but I, it literally is my favorite genre out there. I, I just love catching small ones, big ones, short. I mean, I just, I just think the human condition, human spirit is fa- endlessly fascinating. Some people say it's the, you know, it is really the last form of absolute uh, truth telling. I can see that. With the caveat of <laughs> <laughs> whose truth is it. <laughs> whose truth is it, right. Yeah. Well, I always say it's always three yeah. sides to, you know, it's like the, your truth there and sure. then the truth. Sure. Uh, um, what was um, the best piece of advice that someone has given you that still serves you today? Um, I guess when you're picking your subject, whether okay. you're writing a screenplay or whether you're making a documentary or something, um, to envision who your audience is and who's actually going to okay. buy it and who cares because, you know, so often you talk to people, well, you know, somebody is writing something or pursuing something, and they're saying, well, you know, but this is very personal. This happened to me. This happened mm. to me. Well, the issue is that even though it happened to you and you're close to it and it might be very personal, is it of interest to an audience that's going to sit in a theater for 90 minutes and, and watch it right. or in a documentary where you're asking somebody to, you know, even watch it on the on their laptop you know, or TV or tablet, right? DVD, whatever, right. which yeah. is still robust, by the way. Yeah, no, I know, I know it. No, I go, know it is. Go that's DVD. <laughs> go DVD. I'm old school, so I'm like, sure, I'll do DVD. But I think but. that's the it's it's sort of taking the pulse of the the commercial marketplace. Mm-hmm. What what I think always helped me, and you know, it's it's strange. You come from you're seen as this distributor, you know, like this Willie Loman yeah. character, sweaty, yes. walking around a trade show with sweat in his back yes. and everything. Wouldn't know a good film if it hit him in the face. You know, if it's successful, it had to be the film. If it was, right. you know, if it's not successful, it's because he's a fucking moron. Oops, Can't Oops sorry, we said that. it. Oh, well, it just does one. That's good. But the, the fact is that um, being in the business of selling, actually having to go in and yeah. pitch uh, people in the home entertainment market helped me enormously because I'm sitting here looking at this universe of stuff that's over-indexing, that's doing well, that's uh, consistently uh, what what people are renting or buying, or you know, and then you can factor that in with what's working at the box office. But for all the blood, sweat, and tears, and for all the time that you've got to allocate to go in and write your script or make your documentary and all the money you gotta you know pull out of relatives and you know yes. whomever yes. Or try to yes. you know tweak kickstarter so you've right. got a giveaway that's gonna you know get you five bucks times you know two thousand or what whatever <laughs> right. right you know pick something that's you know that that that's in sync with the zeitgeist that people are really going to embrace and want to see because we you know the fact is, we don't need another independent film. We need another right. good one. Right. We need another really good one. We need another really great doc. But I'm sorry, the beaches are littered with you know so much you know credit card. Somebody maxed out their credit card to make mm-hmm. this thing. They're stuck in neutral. Maybe they got halfway through and they ran right. out of money, or 
I mean, some percentage of things that actually see the light of day that mm-hmm. show up on mm-hmm. iTunes that, you know, you will see in yeah. the physical disc marketplace or you'll see on cable television right. or free over-the-air television. Right. You know, not to mention a theater. You know, those are the those are the fugitives from the law of averages. Those are the ones that, that. that sort of got – that's the 1%. I mean, they talk about the yeah. – I mean, literally the 1%. Yeah. So um, – Try very high. Like I met with, I met with a guy. Okay. Uh-oh. That uh, you know, uh, two days ago. I mean, one of the things that happens now is I get you know. Oh, I'm it's sure. kind of nice. People like ask me to yes. read their script, and I, I'm loath to do it <laughs> yeah. because I'm you know, please don't don't demonize me. You know, please accept yeah. what I'm going to say. Yes. Tell you is just yes. My opinion is right. very hard to get somebody to you know really get a yeah. You know, a good analysis of somebody's work. You know, a lot of people don't want to hear it. But, no, they uh, don't. Right. This guy, this guy, pitched me a concept, and I, I, it was really good. Yeah. Okay. I could see right. I could see right. I won't say because okay. it's his thing. Uh, yeah. But I, I looked at it and I went, that makes sense. I got it. Zeitgeist. Right in. I can see who's going to gravitate towards that. Oh. Okay. And you ought to. That ought to be the cycle of stuff going got in it. your head when you're, uh, you know, when you. Uh, decide to pursue something got it i i I mean and being in sales coming from sales is not a bad thing not a bad thing i can see that you know not i come from marketing and stuff i I understand it's helped me those people should not be discredited because they they suddenly decide that they're you know they're screenwriters you know and i've been writing really since i you know i probably you know 20 or so (laughs) screenplays compton was the first one that went big but i've developed yeah. you know several others too yeah. and uh you know it's concurrent with you know being a a, dis- a distributor yes i told you well i used to work in video stores that's how old i am sure sure i used to work in video stores i used to get music plus records and video sure. back in the 80s oh yeah uh, it's like that and i remember people like you guys would come in and like, like and try, so we have these new films they were on tapes. tapes god what is the i'm trying oh. to remember the name of the uh um oh do you remember the the DVD buyer there at, at uh, Music Plus. Oh my God, she's gonna. Oh, I've done business with her forever. Yes, I'm talking about you. She's gonna be. Uh, my, the old brain sets in sometimes. I remember? Yeah. Oh, I'll think of it. But anyway, I, I worked at big, several different Music Pluses around. They put me around, and I got to. It was that was one of my first big as a distributor. That okay. was one of my first big sales was to Music Plus. We had connection. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, they picked yes. up our the, our. Our Jay Leno piece, and then a bunch of other, uh, you know, Dolomite, and uh, uh, you know, a bunch of other things. So yeah, that's so funny. So I mean, I could talk to you forever, but obviously I have to end my show <laughs> because I mean, they won't give me a three-hour show, won't you? You won't give me a three-hour show. Um, but I have two questions I ask every sure. guest sure. when they come on. Yeah, and the first one is I believe um, language is very important, and especially in the industry, personal life, we can talk ourselves out of stuff. We can talk ourselves into stuff. And so my first question to you is, what is one word you think we should take out of our vocabulary? Uh, won't. Ooh, that's a good one. I won't. <laughs> I won't. I won't. I like that. What is one word that you think we should add back into our vocabulary? Yes. <laughs> I say yes. I say yes a lot. So a lot of things to you. I'm like, well, it's a good thing. I say yes to. No, because mostly it's no. Right. 
Okay, but every once you've got to say, you know, yes has got to happen every once in a while. You know, I like that. I mean, people say, oh, well, let's always know. Well, not for everyone. Right. So just keep keep going until you get the yes. You know, just make sure you've got the something that's, yes. that that people want to see. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Something that deserves a yes. Something that, that that warrants a yes. Right. Have that in your brain, then you kind of go forward. Lee, thank you so much yeah, for coming James, on. James, thank you. Thank you. What for, a great conversation. Yeah, great, great. Thank you. Thank you. And that's another edition of Breaking Into. I am James Lodge Jr. here with Lee S. Lee Savage, and we'll be back next week. Thank you. From producers Maria Menunos, Dario Kristen, Tiana Hobson, Kevin Undergaro, and the entire BHL crew, we would like to thank you for supporting Black Hollywood Live, the first online broadcast network dedicated to African-American entertainment. For questions and comments, contact us at info at blackhollywoodlive.com. Like us on Facebook, tweet us or Instagram us at BHL Online. And I'm your BHL announcer, Scipio. Instagram me at Planet Scipio. Thank you for tuning in. The views expressed here are those of the host owner and do not necessarily reflect the views of BHL or its owners or principals.